0: Thank you, Jesus. Let's pray. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you today. Father, we thank you for your love to us. Holy Spirit, we just welcome you right now into our space, into our hearts. We, we just open our hearts right now, Lord. We, we just commit our church to you. Lord, in this new season, as we begin to make our way out of lockdown, Lord, we, we just want to walk and keep in step with you in our lives. We ask you, Lord, that you will lead us and guide us. That, Father God, that you will download your plans and your purposes and your power. That, Father God, that we will fulfill your purpose on earth as a church. To Father, we pray, Lord, for those within here and, Lord, those watching online. We ask you, Holy Spirit... That, Father God, that you will minister life to us today in the name of Jesus. Lord, as we do that, Father, we're just still aware that as we are coming out of lockdown, many people are still grieving and going through difficulty with lost ones. And we also pause and we pray for our Queen right now. Lord, you tell us to honour authority and governments and kings. And Lord, we just pray, Lord, for our Queen. Holy Spirit, would you minister life to her in this change? season so Lord I ask you for your peace to rest in everyone in this place everyone watching we ask you Lord that you'll give us ears to hear what you may want to say to us today and we ask it in Jesus name all God's people said amen Amen. let's thank our worship team today and also everyone that's come at 8 in the morning to help us engage today God bless you thank you so much guys please be seated Well, thank you so much for coming and we are looking forward as we're coming out of lockdown where we can have kids church and and engage with the the young people and also have refreshments after in that cafe area. We're looking forward where we can be free to to talk and fellowship again. So thank you so much for, for making the effort today and those online, I know there are still people not sure whether they should be coming out yet and that's cool. You need to go at your pace. Uh, so keep connected online, and uh, let's just let's just see what God will do in our lives. Our new um, series Arise, is I I was thinking this week a lot about as we you know through lockdown there was a lot of time to think and pause. I, I think for us as a, a staff team we was probably more busy than actually when church was actually active when we could meet, thinking how to navigate and how to keep connected, and also try and to people that was struggling in their lives. It's, uh, it was a, a difficult, challenging navigating season and we're, and we're coming out slowly and we just want to keep in step with the Lord. But, you know, thinking about church, thinking about, you know, our next season as we have made the decision to come here for our Sundays, um, what, what are we to do? If you're looking, if you're coming here, you've been a part of our church for a long, long time, you know, What are we about? Where are we going to go into? If you're new here, you just started to join us as a church, then what are we going to be focusing on? What is our purpose? Why do we do what we do? And um, I want to concentrate on the very words that Jesus said to his disciples before he ascended to his Father. These very words are really important for us to, to grapple with, to take hold of, and to make them our main purpose. Because sometimes um, in church life, in gatherings, in what we're doing, we can be going round like a hamster on a wheel, thinking that we are making progress, but actually making no impact for God. We maybe do religious services, we may be having meetings, but are we actually doing what God commands us to do? And so, you know, as the senior leader, along with my wife, Linda, and the team, thinking about what is our main priority? What are we supposed to do? And, you know, for us, we've been here 16 years, just over 16 years, me and Linda leading this church, and we're thinking, you know, 57 years of age, probably got 10, 12 years left. What are we going to commit our lives to? Is it just services? Is it just, you know, trying to make Christians happy to keep coming to church? What is it it worth our lives giving to for God? why, Why would you give up your Sunday to come and gather? Why would you do what you do? And there must be the main reason that Jesus says to his disciples is something that the church really has to take serious and really measure to see whether we're actually doing that or not. Or whether we're just doing church and making a real impact the kind of impact that God wants for our lives. So my title is, Arise and Go into the World and Make Disciples. That's what Jesus said to us. Matthew 28 says, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. You know, sometimes that, 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 that truth in the stories helps us to know that even the closest disciples, when there was having a meeting, some were worshipping and some were doubting. And you know, I suppose with our, our many in, in this room today, there's some of you have been worshipping and some of you are doubting. And you know, it gives me comfort to know that the closest people to Jesus at that time were actually struggling, some of them in their worship, but others were not. Something that we all go through from time to time. Even as pastors and leaders, we sometimes doubt whether we're doing the right thing. But you know, the good thing is that Jesus will always confirm, always lead, and always guide. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I will be with you to the very end of the age. In Mark's Gospel it says, And these signs will accompany those who believe. Then the disciples went out and preached everywhere, and the Lord worked with them, And confirmed his word by signs that accompanied the word. Jesus' public meeting before he goes to the Father. Before he leaves, after his resurrection, he appears to the disciples over numerous weeks. And there his last word to them was, I want you to go into all the world and to make disciples of every nation. And and encouraging them to obey everything that I have taught you. That is actually the command of Jesus to the church and to every believer. Some people would say, well, that command was only to the 11 disciples or the 12 disciples. But you know, when you read 1 Corinthians 15, Jesus also appeared to 500 brothers and sisters and commissions the same command to them and to the church today this is our mandate whatever mission statement whatever vision a church has got at the end of the day if we're not making disciples we're missing the mark we may have good services we may have good life groups we may have good sort of whatever we do but are we making disciples are we individually making disciples in our lives so first of all we need to be a disciple and it's totally different to being a christian did you know that did you know that you can be a christian saved going to heaven but yet not be a disciple i'm going to help you understand what it is to to be a disciple It is another level of just being an attender at church Or giving your life to Jesus and and that's it for you. I've I've got my ticket to heaven and you know I can sing the songs, I know where I'm going, but that's it for me. And so Jesus, I want you to, to go and make disciples of every nation, so nobody is 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 not included. In the book, Multiply, Disciples Making Disciples, one of the writers is Francis Chan. He says, After Jesus rose from the grave, he left his followers with a simple command, go into all the world and make disciples. The church should be known for this. If we're going to call ourselves followers of Jesus, we should be making disciples. And this is what he says. I'm going to quote word for word from the book. But most Christians today are not known for making disciples. We have developed a culture where a minister ministers and the rest and most of the church sit back and enjoy church from a comfortable distance. This is not what God intended for his church. Every Christian is called by God to minister. And you are called to make disciples. Now, when we look at our church, I just want to thank God for all the people that turns up on Sunday at 8 o'clock to serve The people that come to gather. And many of you are on rotors. And so I'm just thankful that we are, we're not just people that will sit in the pews and do nothing and just let just some of the ministers do everything. I'm thankful to those that come and allow it more easier for us to to minister the word of God. And so thank you for that. But our priority as a church, and I want to say to you from this message today, If you're going to be a part of our church, our goal will be to help you make disciples. We just can't be a community that just cares for each other and doesn't go further than making disciples because we're not fulfilling the command of Jesus. And I agree what Linda prayed for us. God, we want you to come and, and in the early church the, the, the disciples couldn't move until God came and filled them with the Spirit. But when the Spirit came, God says, go. And so as we're asking God to come, God is shouting to us, go. And so we can't be a static people just coming together to feel good and then leaving God at the door Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday for another refill on Sunday. There's got to be more to life than Just making a living, or making friends, or making a home, or making a career, or making a business deal, or making a name, or making a ministry. You know, all these things are good, and there's nothing wrong with personal goals. But my question is, are we making disciples in our own world, in our own lives? That's the question for me. Am I making disciples? Am I imparting what God has done in me to other people to help them be better for Jesus? Whether they're saved or not, we can help make disciples. But to make disciples, church, it's going to cost us everything. For us to fulfill the command of God, it's going to cost us to actually accomplish that. Jesus said to the disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves. Take up the cross and follow me. Whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. And I don't know about coming out of lockdown. You know, if lockdown was it, if that was the return of Jesus and, and the end was over and we stood before God, I would want to have done a lot more things for Jesus. I would have said to him, give us a bit more time, Lord. So I can then be serious about my faith. So when I stand before you, you will say to me those words that I would want to hear: "Well done, good and faithful servant." And I'd want to see—I'd want to see some people that I somehow help to make it into heaven. Some, some, some so help them make the, the the commitment to follow Jesus even more. and and one or two would say what you did for me or what, what you imparted to me helped me to be a better follower of Jesus to give him all of my life But the big question and that many leaders are talking about today all the time is how do we make disciples because pastors and leaders are tired of church of trying to put on performances to keep people coming back to make them happy You can't keep that up. That is not our job. That is not why God's called some in the body of Christ. It's for another purpose. And I want to help you what that purpose is. And so what is a disciple? What does it mean to make a disciple? Because if we don't get this, then we're never going to make the impact that God wants in Northampton and also throughout the world and you as an individual are not going to make the impact in your family in your workplace and in your life and so a disciples was was in the early day would they would attach themselves to a rabbi or a teacher which Jesus was and whatever wherever he went they would go whatever he would teach them they would learn and they they would make it their ambition to actually live and be like a rabbi and so our priority our goal in our lives is to be like our rabbi Jesus that's our goal to be like him in character and to be like him in ministry he says go everything that I have given to you now you go and help them to do the same, that's what our goal is, in our families, to our children, to whoever it is that we have in our life, in relationship, and so I was trying to say, Lord, you know, I don't, I I find it difficult to read a lot, but I read a couple of books this week, trying to think, well, what is a disciple, 30 years in ministry, I'm thinking, how do we make disciples, we can make good meetings, but how do we make disciples, and I was trying to get my head around it. And I thought, well, we have to make them. They don't just appear. A disciple, a follower of Jesus just doesn't, just doesn't zap and everything's perfect because we're on a journey. And to, it means to, to put substances together, to form something, to build, to construct and to assemble. Building towards Christ's likeness and fulfilling the great commission and the great command." The Great Command is to love God with all of our hearts and the Great Commission is going to make into all the world and make disciples of every nation. That's the the main goal of our lives as a church and also as individuals. But there's some things need to happen and there are some things that need to apply to our lives in order that process to happen. The first thing is salvation. I talked a little bit about uh, how we, 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 we turn to God, we repent, we, and that all of God is by grace through faith. We turn to God and say, we need you. We ask you to forgive us of our sins and come into our lives. And God saves us by his grace because of his blood on the cross, because of his death and his resurrection. It's free, but it costs God everything. It frees us from the bondage of darkness and brings us into the kingdom of light, and we start the journey to follow Jesus. It's like in the Old Testament when the, when the people of God, they put the blood over the doorpost and the angel of death crossed over and God delivered them out of Egypt. And as they come out of Egypt, the enemy was drowned in the Red Sea and they went through the water and it's like us, we get saved and the next step of obedience is we go for the waters of baptism and we begin to follow Jesus with all of our lives. We identify with him that we have been saved, we've been forgiven and he's alive. And that's what baptism is. It's not some kind of, 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 of magic stuff that, well, you know, baptism is, is saying that I've already experienced the grace of God and now I'm identifying it to the world. And it's obedience to God's command. And so we get saved and that's the beginning of our journey to be a disciple. And that's God's grace to us. But then there, there is a second stage and it's deliverance. It's called sanctification. It means, it means we go on a journey to get Egypt out of us. Say amen. amen. Do you know, it's a lifetime journey to get Egypt out of us. Because everyone is, is on a journey getting the baggage from our previous life and our mindset to be changed by renewing of God's word so we can change our thinking and will, our lives will be changed and some of us still carry the baggage of hurt and let down, and upbringing, and all that stuff. And now we've got to get transformed by the renewing of our mind, by the power of the Holy Spirit, so we can live more like Jesus in freedom. But that's a journey. And do you know something? Even though that you're called into ministry, you're still trying to deal with some Egypt stuff in your heart and life. And so you don't automatically, because you're called to ministry as a pastor, or a leader, that every, all your other problems disappear, and you're not dealing with stuff in your life and baggage, that's not true. And so the sanctification journey happens where the Holy Spirit begins to develop the fruit of the Spirit in your life, that, that you, you know, things change in you, His character is formed in you, and the character of God takes time. And so we begin to allow God's journey to, to, to follow Him when He speaks to us about our attitudes, and our actions and then we, we, we yield to his, his word and we listen to him and then we say, yes, God, and we follow him to do what he wants us to live like now. And so, but you know, there are some Christians that they seem to have just got saved and they stay there for years and nothing changes. Same old issue, same old attitude, same old stuff. And you're thinking, why, why are you not changing? Why are you not responding to God? One man said to one of the pastors that's preached, he passed away. He said, I've been a Christian for 22 years, but lived the same year 22 times. And I just wonder I don't know how long you've been a Christian, but have you ever thought to yourself, I have changed? There's no change. I'm still the same person as I was five years ago, still asking for the same prayer, for the same issue. And I still got stuff in my life that should have gone ages ago. Now, every one of us have got different areas that we struggle with and some get free quicker. But I do believe that sometimes that we don't get free because we don't actually obey. That we don't yield to the Holy Spirit and what he's saying to us. And we just want to live our own way and just think that we can just live how we want now that because we're a Christian. Hebrew says, we have much to say about this, but it's hard To make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. When you no longer try to yield your life to God, then nothing will change. When you you no longer want God to to fill every area of your life with His will and His way, then nothing much will change. And the writer to Hebrews says, In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again you need milk not solid food you're still an infant and god wants every christian to grow in maturity and every one of you got the same time every one of you got the same access to god every one of us has got the same access to the bible that's all on the same playing field that there is no there is no difference every one of us can get as much as god as we want No matter how much excuse you say, nothing is stopping you. You spend as much time with God, as much time in the Word, and you respond to God as much as you want. You're in charge of your walk with God. And no matter how much we preach, and no matter how much we pray, we cannot make that decision for you, and you can't make that decision for me. And so then we, we, we begin to walk with God out of salvation, knowing that we're saved. Now we, we begin to walk and allow God to sanctify us to be more like Jesus. I look back at my 30 years of being a Christian and there is definitely some areas where I've changed in character and nature. There are still some things that need to change. Still some things that I need to allow God more access to in my heart and my life and ask him, By his presence, we make me more like his son. Following him, with him in my vision. The second, third thing is that we need to discover our gifts. What has God made us to do in the body? What has he talented me with? What has he gifted me with? And you know, it all starts with servanthood. I never knew that I was going to be a preacher. All I knew is that I wanted to help the pastor in the church to do whatever I needed to do. And as many of you have heard before that my first job was picking up cigarette ends ends, out of the church car park and I thought I was doing the greatest thing for God in my life. By the way, I will still do that for the Lord if it's needed. But I never knew that I would ever stand behind the pulpit and preach. I was so shy as a young person, I never knew that. I just wanted to serve God and you don't know what God put in your heart and in your life and when you discover what your main gift is, then you give it to God and then to, the, to other people to help them to become better people for Jesus. And you know, when you find what part you are in the body, everyone's not a mouth, but every one of us is significant. And if you can find where you fit in a local church, you'll be amazed how we can help together make disciples. And then finally, we make a difference to the world. We go on mission. This is not our mission. This is where we get encouraged. This is where we get inspired, hopefully. And then from here, when we leave at 1 o'clock or whatever time is, your mission starts then. Your mission starts when you get home, when you go to work, when you leave the gathering. Your mission is started when you get out into your world. And so we have to help the process. So in God's wisdom, and I, I want to take my time with this message, and it might be a little bit longer than usual, because this is the footprint of what we need to think about as a church. See, God has placed in the body the five-fold ministry. And what is that for? Not everybody's called to the five-fold ministry. If you, not everybody would want it anyway if you knew what the cost would be. If you know the price you have to pay for fivefold ministry leadership, not many choose it. It's got to be a call of God, and it has to have accomplished the grace of God. You can never do it on your own. But what is it for? So Christ Himself gave the apostles, prophets, evangelists, and pastors and teachers to equip God's people for works of service. And for years. The church has thought the ministers are there to serve the people. That it's been the opposite way around. Whether the pastors are not, I'm not saying myself, pastors are worn out, packed, ministering because they're supposed to do the ministry for the people. Where actually the ministers, the, the fivefold ministry is to quit the church, to quit you. So when you leave, you'll be better in your family, to be better in your world, to bring Christ to a lost generation. That's the job, that's our role. We we can we can't do the other, which has been done for years. We're supposed to, we're supposed to do the ministry. Of course, we'll visit people. Of course, we'll pray with people. But all that is to help you stand on your own two feet to be ministers of the gospel. To go make disciples. So we'll not be moved around by every false doctrine and blown around. But we will become mature in Christ. And then it says instead of the speaking truth and love, we will grow up in every respect. The mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament. Did you know that you can't do Christianity on your own? It can't be you and God. Because God places you in a body so he can develop you how many people know that when God places you in a church, in a body, there's things that will upset you, things that will rub against you to to develop you, but you can't do the will of God outside the body of Christ. It's not me and God will take the world because God puts us in a family so he can help us love one another so then we can do it into the world. You can't fulfill the purpose of God outside the family of God. So it says that that you were joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each one does its work. So God gives the church the ministry gifts of the fivefold ministry but then the responsibility is also on building yourself up. That you, you just can't wait for Sunday for God to impart for you everything that you need to know about being a follower of Jesus You have to make it your own walk. Monday to Friday, you have to get into your own word and begin to seek God for yourself. It's not all about the pastor praying for you, but you praying for yourself. You have the same access to the same throne room, to the same God, and you have the same power to do whatever it is that God's called you to do. And so we are human, but all of us are called to do something for God great. And so we have to apply some things. We have to do this walk, but then we have to pray we have to talk to God we have to know the Bible to know God and know his ways we need the Holy Spirit to walk with God and to enable and empower us to live out this life for God and then we need the church the body to learn in community to learn to love to learn to forgive to learn to serve to learn to share to learn to have fellowship to learn to support to learn to grow together and to be accountable to one another For our walk with God. Dr. Tony Evans says this. A disciple is someone who consistently is operating under the rule of Jesus Christ in their lives. That's a disciple. Constantly operating under the rule of God. The word of God in their lives it's a man or woman who is living under Christ's rule in their life decisions even at the expense of being misunderstood or disliked and to bring his rule to the world that we live in someone described it's like a football game where there is two rival teams and you know when there's two rival teams it can get very heated But there to help on the pitch is the officials and the referee. And they are given authority to follow the rule book, to bring order and decisions on the pitch. Now all through the game, the crowd will love some and hate the others. Some will cheer the decisions and some will boo them. But the referee, the officials, have been given authority and responsibility to follow through with the rule book, to bring order in spite of the crowd's response or their personal emotions. And God has given every one of us a rule book, the Bible, the word of God. And no matter what the crowd say to you, we are there to bring his rule in our lives first and then onto the pitch of the world that we live in. In our homes, in our workplaces, and throughout the world where God places us. We are to follow Jesus in our marriage, in our singleness, to follow him in our business and in our workplace, to follow him in our finances. You know, some of you will be saying, and you know in our Emerging Leaders, i want to been talking to you about generosity and about giving, and you are saying, why is he always talking about, you know, finances and tithing? Because the thing is this, as a follower of Jesus, that you know, God wants us free. And, then, and unless you begin to live under his rule according to the word of God in the air of your finances, you'll never be free. It's only when you yield your life to him and his word that you become free. And but not only that, then you're in a position to teach other people to obey. Because let me just say this, if you are going to make disciples, you have to be one. And to be a disciple is that you have to obey the Lord. You have to live out what you've imparted to others. You cannot tell other people to do something that you are not willing to do yourself or there's no evidence in your own life that you've done it. I don't know about you, but I'm not really bothered about how many degrees that you have. I want to know how much experience you have in your life. I want to say, if you was going for a double heart bypass, and the doctor came into your room, and he wanted to meet and talk to you about the operation, and he would say to you, this is the procedures, and you want to know, say, you know, can you tell me, tell me what you know about... About the besieging, he would say to you, I have done a degree, I've done five degrees on on double bypasses. I have got the award in my office. I know more about double heart passes than anybody in England. You'd be reassured, wouldn't you? And then you say, I've only got one question. How many double heart bypasses have you actually done? And he would say, done. No, no, I have not done any. I've only only done an exam on it. And I know all about it. But you're the first one. (laughs) Do not, I'll be saying to him, you're not doing your operation on me, buddy. See, the thing is this. It's not how much you know about the Bible. It's how much you live it. Even if you only share with somebody about salvation if that's where you're at. And so discipleship is imparting what Christ has done in you to help other people make that journey. Go and make disciples, teaching them to what? Obey everything I have commanded you we are to go and imitate him to carry his ministry and become like him in the process. You know, in lockdown, we revived our sermons on CDs to some of the people that couldn't access live stream. And so the process of this is that we would we would take a master C D and we put it into our multi-duplicator at our church which would make several copies of the master all at once. Then we take the the copies, and we go and drop them off to the people that wanted to hear the message. The thing is, they didn't receive the master, but they did receive the copy. And even though it wasn't the master, the copy was identical to the master and what jesus wants from his church that when we leave here that we will be copies of the master in our homes in our workplaces and in our world 2 Corinthians says, for we are Christ's ambassadors, as if God was making his appeal through us. Ephesians 5 says, imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love. Following the example of Christ, he loves us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us. A pleasing Aroma to God. Jesus said, All authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. I want to close by asking you today if, if you would stand with me and allow me to pray a prayer for you and our church that we would say to God I do not want to go to another Sunday and live a static life for you. But I'm going to make a decision today to be a follower. I'm going to make a decision to say, Lord, whatever it is that you want me to do next in my life, whatever it is that I need to obey in my life, in my family, in my finances, in my personal life, whatever it is, Holy Spirit, from the word of God, when you speak to me, I am going to follow. And I'm going to make a decision for, with your help that you will empower me to help make some disciples. To impart some of you to others from what you've done in me. Because church, if that's not what you're going to ask God for, why are we going to bother being a Christian? So I want you to stand with me. Because the Lord doesn't want a church that only knows about the truth. The Lord doesn't want a church that actually agrees with the truth. The Lord wants a people that will obey the truth. Because this is what Dr. Tony Evans says. Listen to me. And this is why so many Christians are stuck in Egypt in areas of their life. This is the key. Are you listening to me? Information without application keeps us from having transformation. Transformation only takes place through obedience to God's word. And all I am saying to you as a senior, one of the senior leaders here in this church, Lord, would you help us to follow you We want to make disciples, not just Christians. We just don't want converts. We want people to say yes to God when he asks them to follow him. And we'll make it their priority. Say, Lord, I'm going to invest my life to help make disciples. So if you want the Lord to do something new in your walk, then I want you to lift your hands with me because I'm, I'm included in that because I want God to do something fresh in me. I want you to pray for us as, as the team here that God will give us keys to help, help you to become better disciples as well as my own life. All the programs that we put on, all the things that we try and do is that we want to try and whatever we do, God, we want to do it to help you grow. So you can be effective for God. That is the heart of this church. That we reach a nation that that people right now don't even know that we're gathering together. Not even have a clue about Jesus. And we're the only hope that they have. The church of Jesus Christ. Right across this room. Say, Father, from this day I want to yield my life afresh to you. Those that are watching by TV can't make it today. Say, Lord, thank you, Lord, that you've allowed me to come through lockdown. And God hasn't left us here just to Continue life without main purpose, and that is God has given us breath to make a difference. Father, would you empower every person in this place, every person watched online, that when they leave, Lord, that you will help them make a difference in their home, in their marriages, with their children. Lord, would you help them as they go back to work or whatever it is they do in their world that you will help them to be more like Jesus. Impart his life and his character and his works. Lord, I know that there's one or two in this place and those watching online that you've spoken to them about their, their walk with you. You've asked them to do several things in their life and they've resisted. I ask you now, Lord, that you would help them to say yes to you. That whatever you asked them this week about their personal walk with you, whatever it is that you're going to ask them to do in the in the near future, they would say, Yes, God, I will follow. Whatever it is that you want me to do, I will submit my life. I will surrender my life. And I say yes, God. I will follow. Father, would you take this church? Would you help us, Lord, to be a vessel in your hands? Would you help us to reach people that don't know you? Would you help us to make disciples? We ask it, Lord. We really do, Lord. We want to, See this place that there's no room just for the Sunday gatherings because people have come to know you.